Good morning. Good morning, everybody. How you doing? Good, good, good. We waking up this morning? You know, some of us were spoiled for the 1030 service, you know, last yeah, on Easter. And uh, Easter was incredible, church. I just want to thank you so much. Thank all of our volunteers for serving one and tending one, two services. We did 915 and 1030, and we had over 230 people at Luminous Church, which was awesome for us. Man, that was incredible, and so that was because you were inviting people and loving people and being the hands and feet of Jesus and just sharing the gospel and, and extending an invitation. And uh, as Will said, you know, um, he's making this analogy of home. I'll just extend it a little further. You know, there was this, this invitation to come home, to come to your house and celebrate something very special to you. And I just want to thank you for doing that because I really believe that it matters. And uh, I was blessed by last... Last Sunday, I was blessed by the worship, the spoken word, all that God did, the, the photos, the community, the relationship. It was incredible. If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13. And, and I'm excited to kick off a series called Seeds with you this morning. And, and what that means for us, those who are in Christ and maybe those who are exploring who Jesus is, how this could apply to our life. And, and we really... Um, have, have sought out some uh, incredible curriculum for our church. And so uh, there's, there's oftentimes in uh, the season of our church where we will take a couple of series that have, done, that have been done really well at other churches and we'll, we'll in, infuse those into what our normal flow is. And so this series is produced by Milestone Church. But the reason we want to do it because of this right here, this devotional. And this devotional we feel like it's so important for everybody in this room. Uh, we feel like that if you take the next eight weeks of your life and you go through this book right here, we believe that you will grow closer to Jesus. Because that's the intention of this series is for you to grow. Everybody say grow. That's right. We want to be a church that grows and we want to grow together. So, so if we can find some type of tool that helps us disciple and, and grow closer to Jesus. We want to do that. So I encourage you to get that devotional right out these doors. And, and uh, we will be going through intro one and two this week. And then we'll launch next Sunday with week one in our devotionals and in our life groups. So, so go through intro one and two if you haven't done so thus far. Um, I, I think, you know, this whole idea of grow it, it, it correlates with the idea of seed, right? How many of you know if you have a seed, you want it to grow to produce fruit later in life? You know that's true, right? How many of you just love to just collect seeds for seed's sake? None of us, right? That, that would be weird. And, and there's a place for you here, I'm sure. I just don't know exactly where yet. And, and that would just be really strange. But seeds were intended for growth and and how many of you know, like, growth can be a frustrating process? You know that to be true? You, have you found that to be true? You'll find it to be true if you have little kids, maybe nephews, nieces, sons, daughters, grandchildren. They get so frustrated when it comes to growing, don't they? Uh, my daughter and I, uh, we, we started doing a, one of the measuring sticks, you know, on the back of her door frame. Have you all done that, the measuring stick? You measure the height according to the months and years, et cetera, and then you go back and you, you get real nostalgic. Hey, do you remember way back when in 2019 when you were this short? 
and and she starts getting you know a little a little giddy because she's seeing her progression. But I want to tell you something about my daughter Brielle. Brielle is she she wants to see results immediately. Anybody else like that? So I remember the first time that we measured her, and the next day she wanted to get remeasured. Like maybe I measured incorrectly. That's what I presumed. But the fact was I didn't measure incorrectly. She thought she grew in a day. She thought she was growing every single day. And so we revisited the chart day after day, week after week. And, and I'm just going to let you know the mark didn't change all that much. And we find that this is true for us in this room is that seeds have potential. And the potential is enormous for growth. But seeds take time to develop, don't they? And this is something that we have to apply to our life in this room is that seeds take time to develop. But every seed has potential. Every seed, every person, every destiny in this room has potential to do something phenomenal. But we oftentimes don't like the results. They're a little too slow. So instead of leaving the seed buried, we go and we unbury it, don't we? Sometimes we, we want to check the progress of the seed. Have you ever done that? Maybe, maybe you grew up in, in first grade. It was the first grade science experiment where you get the lime, lima bean or whatever it was. Lime bean, lima bean. Somebody help me there. Lima. Yep, yep. Lima. Tomato, tomato. Okay. You get the lima bean and, and you put it in the... You put it in the cup, you put it in the dirt, you water it, and the whole process of germination happens, and it begins to grow, and you begin to see it, right? But, but I was a kid who was frustrated. I consistently put my finger in there, taking out the bean to see if it grew. And I find that, like, sometimes we do that with our life. We're like, are we growing? And we uproot ourselves before we fully got rooted. And the point of that is, is us as a church... We are striving to be more like Jesus. In fact, that's our mission at Loomis is help you encounter Jesus, the living God, so that something in you would be found. And as it's found and you're discovered, you start to grow and maturate. This is our hope for everybody who comes in this place every Sunday. So don't negate the process. Seeds is a theme that we'll see throughout the Bible. There's many themes. We, we've touched on themes, the themes that are in the Bible. And seeds is a principle found in the Bible. And it's a theme that we see all the way back. We see that seeds begin to happen. In Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, before we get into our main passage, I want, I want to set up this series with this passage. And it says this, while the earth remains... Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. That seed time will happen until the end of days. That there's always going to be a moment where there are seeds and seeds are supposed to be planted. And you know that seeds end up being trees. And trees are found throughout the Bible. Whenever you see a tree, it started with a seed. And so what we'll have here in the scripture as we look is that the trees are throughout the Bible. In the very beginning, there's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's the tree of life. 
We, we fast forward to Jesus' life. Jesus hung on a tree. We read the book of Revelation, and there we have the tree of life again. And, and, and trees are throughout the Bible. In fact, if you look through your Bible, the, the third most common used noun in the Bible other than people and other than God is trees. Trees. Trees are important. In order for us to become the trees that God's called us to be, to be planted and steadfast, we must look at the seed. The seed. The seed represents you and me in this series, but it also represents what Jesus would describe. The seed is the word of God in Isaiah 55. The seed is the word of God. And then we also see in John 12 that the seed is Jesus. And in John 12, it is very descriptive where Jesus said, this seed must be planted, must die, so that fruit can come about. This is what must happen. Jesus is a seed. So the principle of seed is, to, is, is meant in this moment, right, to create this connection and cooperation with God. That the seed is meant to create this connection and cooperation with God, this relationship with God. As he is sowing seed, as we are seed, as we're receiving the seed, that's a lot of seeds. There's a lot that happens in this. But the danger of this is, is that we, we're familiar with seeds and we talk about sowing seeds. We talk about potential. And we talk about what could happen. And sometimes the danger in the church is, is the name it and claim it church. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? It's like, whoo, I am a seed and I am meant to grow and I'm meant to be bountiful and I'm meant to be taller than any other tree, to bear more fruit than any other tree. And, and you start naming and claiming and it's the law of attraction where you start manifesting your destiny, somebody. But the principle of the seed is not meant for this name and claim it or manifest yourself or your own potential, but it's to be rooted so that you would get close to Jesus, find out who he is, be connected with him, and through connection, bear fruit. Through connection, bear fruit. So all of us have potential as seeds. We know this. There is much potential to be had. But the thing that interrupts potential oftentimes, the thing that we see, the thing that squelches potential is the wrong focus. Have you found that to be true in your life? Where, where you know that it has been prophesied over you. It's been spoken over you. Your mom and dad have said great things over you. Your friends applaud you. You have the accolades. You have the diplomas, the degrees. You have the raise, the salary, the bonus. You have everything right there. You have all this potential, but then it turns into the wrong focus. And if you focus on the wrong thing where you only focus on the end of the seed and not the beginning, you'll never reach the end. And we've seen this in life all the time where we see this, where we focus on the fruit versus the planting. And in the church, we have found this to be true is, is oftentimes we want to the, the church to recognize all of our great gifts and our great talents and these great moments. 
but we were never planted. We, we, never, we never showed up to, to grow track. We never discipled anybody. We wanted to lead a group, lead a class, be on the stage, preach, do all these things, but we never started with just discipling and loving our neighbor. Well, we want to skip the process because all we are focused on is the fruits. A lot of times uh, we, we do this when it comes to giving and generosity where the whole verse, and we'll get into this later, but the sowing and reaping where, where we want to reap, not sow. But to plant the seed, it starts small and starts little and it's patience. And so I have to tell you, all of us in this room have potential for God's goodness and greatness on our life. All of us are called to make a difference on this earth. All of us are going to go about doing what God has called us to do, but let us not lose focus. We all have potential, but there is a process. Everybody says process. Process. The process begins with the right soil. Let's read Matthew chapter 13, 1 through 9. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him, so they got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground, where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. How many are familiar with this parable? It is the most familiar parable, and it's really one that doesn't need a lot of explanation. You see, the truth is, if you read the commentaries on this particular passage, they're pretty short because Jesus does the commentary for us in, in, later, in, in just a few verses later, where he explains the parable. But we look at this parable, and we see the different things when it comes to seed. And we see that it's sown in different places, and there's, there's different moments where it's choked out. And, and a seed not placed in good soil will not produce the potential that it's supposed to produce. So the point of this series is to plant us in good soil. To good in good soil so that we can bear a hundredfold, sixtyfold, and thirtyfold. And when we read that, we say, Lord, I want the hundredfold. But, but what Jesus was saying is you're going to be planted and you're going to live a life that is, that is good and it's better and it's best. And it's better than where you are found yourself today. It's going to be better than you find yourself in this moment that you're going to produce much, much fruit, that God's going to do something incredible. Now, a hundredfold blessing was usually unheard of. In this time, a hundredfold, um, a hundredfold 
reciprocated to you from planting a harvest, for planting something that's pretty unheard of in this part of the land. In fact, where Jesus was speaking this, if, if somebody were to get tenfold, that would be more than an abundance, more than people would normally produce. And, and Jesus is saying, and he's correlating to this, if you remain planted in good soil, you'll produce 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Your life's going to be good. It's going to be better. It's going to be the best life you could possibly live. Amen? This is what Jesus wants from us. He wants us to live the best life we could possibly live. And so the soil that we're looking at is going to be our heart. Everybody say heart. The soil is our minds. Everybody say minds. The soil is our environment. Everybody say environment. All these are needed to see the growth of the seed. That we need our heart, our mind, and our environment in the right places if we're going to produce what Jesus has called us to produce. There's this process, the process that begins to happen where our heart is around Jesus, our mind is around Jesus, and our environment is around Jesus. That we're finding ourselves not just, not just our heart absent of our mind. And I know that's sometimes easy to do, right? How many of you in worship, your heart starts fluttering, but then when it's time to open the Bible, you start texting. Right? Okay, thank you for admitting that. Altar will be open after service. Right? This happens so much in our lives. Oh, we want just mental ascent. We want enlightenment, but we have no heart to go around the, the things that are happening in our mind. And then we have this dichotomy. And I will say this happens quite a bit in San Antonio, Texas, well, where we have a heart loves God, our mind loves God, but we're constantly putting ourselves in the wrong environments. We're putting ourselves in toxicity. Toxic soils, soils that, that the seed will never grow and never flourish like it's supposed to flourish. We see this all the time. But the thing that we see in the process, the thing that we see here most importantly is what Jesus says in verse 9. He who has ears, let him hear. Hear. Hearing God. Hearing God would would be the process of how a seed grows ultimately. When you find yourself being able to hear his voice, because, because if you love me, right, you're going to hear me and you're going to obey me. This is what Jesus says. You must hear my voice. It says this in, in John uh, chapter 10, that the, the sheep knows the shepherd's voice. The sheep. Who's the sheep right here? It's us. Don't you love that Jesus describes us as sheep sometimes? I'm going to tell you, you think you're smart, but, but Jesus sometimes sees you as a sheep. And he wants you to obey and not buck the system. He doesn't want you to be equated with any other amount of rebellion or any other uh, likening to an animal. A sheep knows a shepherd, a sheep and a shepherd, a shepherd is leading the sheep. And the sheep knows his voice. It's, it's the most important thing we should know is that, that we need to go to the shepherd and begin to listen to what he says. So how do we hear God's voice? A few practical steps to hear God's voice. The first one is you have to believe he does speak. And this is the hardest 
dissonance for you to overcome in this room is you have to believe that God does speak, that he does speak. Now, if Jesus says that he speaks and the sheep hear him, then all of a sudden we're aligning ourselves with the fact that Jesus is claiming that when he speaks, when the Father speaks, that we can hear him. So if we're in a dissonance, we don't believe God can speak. What we, that means is we don't believe Jesus. We don't believe in him. Oh, you can believe about him. You can believe that, that you have some ideas of him. You can believe that. But Jesus speaks to us. So we have to believe that he speaks. Now, this is hard, right? Because I remember so often uh, as a young man uh, trying to hear God's voice. Has anybody else ever tried to do that? Where you, you, you sit in a room, you, you, you make it as quiet as possible, you close your eyes, and you say, God, here I am. Speak to me. And it sounds like that. I don't hear anything. And then I'm frustrated. Hearing God's voice is part of the process. So you have to believe that he does speak, and then you have to predetermine to fully submit to what he says. So the way that he speaks, the way that God speaks, he's going to speak through his word. So if you're not in his word, you may be deaf to his voice. So he speaks through his word. He speaks through circumstances. If we believe that there is a God who created all things in motion, that he's moving and he's active within this life, then, then he's speaking through circumstances. He's speaking through others, other people in your life, other voices in your life, other people speaking. You realize, man, dude, that sounds like God. So he speaks through others. He speaks through the imagination. Do you realize that this right here, this, this organ up here, that all this that is working together, that God made it, that he made you? I want to tell you the most supernatural thing that I've been thinking about lately is the natural that we perceive. Do you realize that? Like, like, do you realize how supernatural it is that God created you, made you, wired you just like that? And he's not going to bring in some, most of the time, some like mystical other for you to hear him and experience him. That, that, that would be a weird relationship, right? Like the only time Brandy and I talk is when we light candles and go to the Tower of Americas and we dress up. Okay, now I'm listening. Would that be weird? If that's the only time I listen to Brandy, if it has to be super experiential other than day-to-day -day relationship. God is so relational that he can be day-to-day. -day. He can be in the, in the very normal of today. So he speaks through the imagination. He's going to speak in impressions that he's going to give you. Some people will see different words in different moments. And when he speaks, when he speaks and you feel those impressions, you feel those leanings when you're in the word, when you're asking him questions, when you're moving in that way and you feel this moment of impression, we must do the next thing when he speaks and we're listening, filter it through his word. So if we see an image and we're, we're asking for God's love, God's goodness in our life and all of a sudden we see that moment happen. What begins to happen from there? Okay, God, the image that I see, does that line up with you? 
Does it line up with your word? How many of you believe you heard God say something, but you never saw in his word, and then you chased that something and it ended in some disappointment? I find this to be true. The other thing is you, you test the word not just by reading the word, but, but by discussing it with people that you trust, other men and women of God. It's why, it's why I, I love this. You know, you, know, you know when somebody wants to do what's already in their heart, right, because they act impulsively in secret. You know, like I'm just going, oh, man, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this thing, and they, they, will, they predetermined to do whatever's in their hearts. And they didn't want to test it with God's wisdom and God's direction. And so I see this in young men all the time. Young men all the time. Here's how it goes. They're on the college campus. They see a very attractive woman. And they all of a sudden have been praying about it. And the next time I see them, they're actually like going on a date with this woman. And they're loving this woman. I go, hey, man, what's going on? You, you dating this girl, but I thought you'd like so-and-so, you know, what's, what's happening? And, and they said, well, man, I prayed about it, and I just felt the Lord inside say, just go for it. But they, they didn't seek any wisdom around them. They didn't, they didn't have any counsel on it. I see this with jobs all the time. People, people in the job market, they're going. And I'm talking to those who are in Christ because we are supposed to we live by spirit. We walk by the spirit and we seek the counsel of the spirit, which is the Holy Spirit and the people of wisdom around our lives. Where people are about to make the craziest decisions that will alter their life forever. And, and they, they, what they'll do is they want to make the decision. They decide in the heart. But instead of instead of praying about it and seeking the Lord and then seeking counsel, seeking wisdom and seeing if this is something the Lord would want them to do. They just jump for it and they just go for it. And then you're like, hey, man, what happened? You just went for that thing and, and it's not working out real well. And, and did, you, did you pray for it? Did you, did you seek counsel? Did you do any of that? No. No, I just decided in my heart this is what, what I was going to do. When hearing the Lord, when, when you're talking about the seed, the seed being planted in soil, you're talking about this counsel, this moment of being in the right environment, your heart, your mind, the right environment, the people lining up with the word, lining up with wise counsel, and then you continue taking steps while remaining open. So when you feel like it's the Lord and he's speaking and it's resonated with scripture and you're seeing this in the people around you and you're taking steps, you remain, you remain steadfast and you remain open. Okay, Lord, I'm going and I'm open for you continue to speak. This is what, what God wants us to do in the process of, of a seed being planted in the soil. We have to believe that he speaks. We have to determine to fully submit what he says. We have to filter it through the word. We have to discuss it with trusted voices, and we continue taking steps while remaining open. This is how we begin to hear God speak and begin to involve him. He who has ears, let him hear. Let him hear. This is what Jesus wants from us. He wants us to remove our disbelief that God doesn't want to, to speak to you. He wants you to remove that. Take it off the table. He wants you to remove that disbelief. And what I love about Jesus is that he was constantly not just taking one affinity group into his walk, 
but he's taking multiple groups of people, multiple cultures, and he brought them all together, and he was explaining the Father to them. So it wasn't just a, a one culture that hears him, that hears God, but it was this multicultural expression that began to take shape. And Jesus fulfilled this ministry in three years of how to understand the kingdom and how to understand the voice of the Father. How we can do this. The second thing that we need to do when it comes into the right soil that we see right here, we must slow down our speed. Everybody say slow down. Must slow down. And I know this is hard. I'm speaking to myself like in a mirror right now because I am the most impulsive person on the planet. I don't know if y'all know that about me. But we have to slow down. We have to slow down. If good soil is going to remain, it takes you slowing down. It takes you not just being so impulsive, and it takes this consistency over time. Consistency over time is how a seed begins to grow. Isn't that true? We see this like, I mean, I'm, I'm 40, and when I look at my retirement plan, I was like, oh, man, I should have started when I was Ross's age. Because it was be consistency over time and slow down. But a lot of us live our lives YOLO till the end, Right? And then I'll repent and get right with God. And then a lot of us live our lives in this way, right, where we're, we're constantly saying, well, you know, it doesn't matter about anything. I'll just catch up later. A lot of us live our lives like in parenting where we, we end up, well, I'll just buy them a big gift on their birthday versus being present every day. A lot of us, when it comes to, 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 to sowing seed and putting the seed in the ground and seeing what God is doing and what he's raising up, is, is we, we have to realize that it's slow. It's slow. It's slow. It's slow and it's steady. It's slow and it's steady. It's slow and it's steady. We have to believe he's working even if he's not visible. And this is the other thing is we have to believe that the, the seed is germinating even when we can't see it. So we have potential in this room all to grow. There's a process, and the process is, is one of hearing God's voice, being open to his voice, moving where he says to move, do what he says he's going to do, listen to his voice. We must be in this moment of, of abiding and, and being consistent. Consistently present is the greatest moment for a seed to germinate consistently present, consistently present with our quiet time, consistently present in church, consistently present with our kids, with our spouse, with our friendships, consistently present, believing that God is faithful and he's consistent in all his ways. So the question I have for you is that when we're looking at this position, are we in a place where we're hearing him? Are we in a place where we're slow and we realize we're just going to be steady and faithful. And we look at our life. Are we in the right position? Are we in the right position right now? We have potential. There's a process. But are we in the right position? Are you in the right position, church? Are you in the right position for, your, for the seed that God is depositing you to grow? If you would, bow your head and close your eyes with me this morning. The seed. 
has to land in the right soil. When it lands in the right soil, it grows and it lasts. There's so many of us, we've been in the wrong environment. We've been on the road, we've been in the rocks. We haven't been putting ourselves in the right position. Our mind is off, our heart is off. Where we've been planted is off and we're not planting correctly. I just want you to evaluate your life this morning. And in your evaluation, I want you to think about your life. Some of you, I, I know I said don't focus on your fruit. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change that in this moment. I'm going to change that in this moment. What's your fruit been like up until now? Do your children love God? Do your finances love God? Do your friendships love God? The relationships around you, are they God-centered? What's the fruits of the things that you touch? Is it God or is it man? Is it him or is it you? And as you're thinking about that, I want to tell you that sometimes when we see the seed, we look at it and we say, man, it's too late. It's too late. I don't have enough time for the seed to grow. I'm running out of time. I want to tell you that God can bring supernatural growth in supernatural ways. Be planted. Be planted. Father, soften our soil this morning. Soften our soil to be able to hear you. Soften our soil to be loved by you. Soften our soil to be planted in a way that sees a much growth. And Lord, not, not, we don't, we, we lay down the hundredfold, the sixtyfold, the thirtyfold blessing. Lord, we won't be a measure of the blessing, but we will be a people, God, who are planted and you bring whatever you bring. Let us be obedient. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, if you would, stand with me in a posture of about to receive communion this morning. As we take the elements, the cup, and the bread this morning, I am reminded of John chapter 12. And Jesus answered them, he said, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus' body is the bread that was broken for us. This bread that was broken for us went down and it was buried and it was dead for three days.
But after that, he resurrected. And in his resurrection, he says, the resurrection is for you too who believe in me. That those who believe that my body was broken for you. That my blood was shed for you. For the forgiveness of sins. So, Father, we thank you for your body that was broken for us. Bless the bread this morning. Bless this element. Jesus, we remember you. The seed remains dead without you. But you cause life. And Jesus, we thank you for your blood this morning. We come to the table because of your blood, which is the forgiveness of sins. Jesus, thank you for your blood. Bless this juice this morning. Bless the cup.